You are listening to the Choose Your Struggle Podcast, a member of the Shameless Podcast Network. Today on the Choose Your Struggle Podcast, it's the incredible Cynthia Sia Dot, but first, Kid Mental, let's go. Things ain't always gonna go our way, but you could always win when you choose your struggle. And some battles will be yesterday, but today is for a new weekend. Choose your struggle, and don't worry about what they say, but you could always win when you choose your struggle. And you can bounce back, just as Jay. Come on in, listen to choose your struggle. Hello and welcome to another episode of the Choose Your Struggle podcast. It's great to be back with you all. I'm recording this intro from my new office in Philadelphia. We made the move over the weekend. A lot to get through today. The first of which is to say, as I said, I'm in Philadelphia. And what that means is I'm taking this opportunity. COVID is hopefully starting to end and I've moved getting a whole bunch of new stuff set up for the office to kind of reinvent the work that I'm doing here at Choose Your Struggle. I posted this on Instagram a couple weeks ago, but it kind of Choose Your Struggle 2.0. I I have been doing a lot of the same work for the last couple years and before that when, when I was still doing this work on the side. And it's time to sort of recalibrate, step back and do an assessment. So what does that mean for this show? Obviously, the show is going to keep going. That's It's been a, a joy of mine to produce this. I love meeting all the incredible people. And as I suggested the, the, in, in past episodes when I explained sort of the, the process here, I, I am very protective of the show, and I, I think it's succeeding in a lot of ways. And what I want to do there is make it more about the guests, more about you, the listeners. So you're going to notice a couple less ads. And that is because I'm really only working now with, with true partners of the podcast, not not big ad groups that are, you know, available for, for podcasts like this. So that's a, a bonus. And, and keep your ear out. There's going to be more announcements in the future, but but that's sort of the big one right now. I do want to make a very special shout out to a new Patreon subscriber who jumped on in the last week, Julie Brooke. Thank you very much. Her merch is out the door. Had a couple other merch drop-offs at the post office this week, and that was incredible. I love that. It's like one of my favorite things in the world is to see those go out the door. So thank you to those of you who have picked up merch. Now, before we get into this episode, I do want to say one last thing, and that is we have to acknowledge what happened in Minnesota this week. Dante Wright was murdered. Uh, by the time this comes out, obviously this will be a week old, and I, I don't think I need to tell all of you the, the details. At this point, I honestly don't know. How, like uh, People who say that, oh, people just don't get it. That's what I'm most clueless about. At this point, if you do not believe that there is a crisis around policing in this country, it is no no longer a a misunderstanding or a lack of education. It is a choice at this point to believe something. Like, if so many people are saying something, and you, who this hasn't happened to, I'm specifically, obviously, speaking to white people, 
for you to say, no, I don't believe all of them is a choice. That isn't a, well, I just don't get the situation. My wife and I were talking about this the other day because, you know, obviously I talk about this issue a lot on here. And I used to not, I wasn't, (laughs) I didn't like bullies, but I wasn't a defund the police sort of subscriber to that thought until probably a couple of years ago. So I understand the gradual shift in thinking, but to flat out be like, nope, if he didn't, I don't even know. I don't, I don't even know. That's a choice. And that can be worked on. If enough people speak up, if enough people ask questions, if enough people are willing to be uncomfortable on our side, when you hear that, I mean, I've been in this situation. When you hear someone saying factually incorrect things, you just kind of shut down. You're like, eh, I don't, I don't, I don't want to be that guy. I don't want to, I don't want to be the person that has to correct them. Well, then nothing changes, right? And it's tiring. It, you know, and, and I guess in this moment, I'm also just talking to white people, but talking to allies. And this time on our side, you have to be. And my brother and I talked about this a couple of weeks ago. It's one thing for people who don't have wealth to believe that enormous wealth is stupid. It's another thing for people who grew up around wealth, who have privilege, to be like, no, but I also think this is stupid. And so those of us who have that privilege have to use it. That's my last thought on this. And that goes perfectly into this episode. Because today's guest is Cynthia Siadat. If you watch Rock Bottom Storytellers, you know her name. She was incredible that night. It was one of her first speaking opportunities. And we talk about identity on this on this episode. We talk about privilege a lot. We talk about the overcoming trauma and and the beautiful freedom that storytelling and and being open and vulnerable can bring. It was a really interesting conversation. I so appreciated how open and vulnerable she was and all, all the kind things she said about Rock Bottom Storytellers. Uh, for those of you who don't remember, this coming Wednesday is the debut of A Day in the Life, uh, Storytelling One-on-One with Sean Braley. It'll be live on Facebook. And a week after that, uh, on the 27th, is the... Rock Bottom 2, uh, with, with some just incredible speakers. I, 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 people, they're not speakers. In fact, only one of them you know, really does that work. Just people telling their stories. So uh, stay tuned. A lot of great things happening. I want to hear from you. As always, reach out on social media, on my website. Just reach out. I want to hear from you. Hope everyone is having a wonderful spring. Uh, start to spring. Stay healthy. I'm one shot in. Very excited to get uh, my my vaccine done. And choose your struggle. Choose your struggle. People will forget what you said. People will forget what you did. But people will never forget how you made them feel. That famous quote by the extraordinary Maya Angelou is exactly why I speak. It's why I tell my story and mix education around the topics of mental health, substance misuse and recovery, and drug use and policy with motivation, inspiration, and purpose. So when you're looking for your next keynote or breakout session speaker, reach out. Find me at my website, jshiftman.com, and I promise you, 
your employees, your group members, the students at your school, everybody will come away having learned something. And that's how we create change. Reach out today. Thanks for sharing the podcast with your friends. If you're listening on Apple, please rate and review or check out the review link in the show notes. And don't forget to subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. I am Cynthia Siadot. I'm a licensed clinical social worker out in Los Angeles, California, proud Filipina American uh, and mental health advocate, peer mental health advocate, I should add. I would add to that the 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 way that most of my listeners probably already know you, which is that you are an awesome alumni of the very first Rock Bottom <gasps> Yes, I am that indeed. Oh, I can add that to my list of <laughs> of about me's. That's exciting. Uh, and I gotta say to all of them, you know, the, the speakers who are listening, y'all set a really high bar with the one yeah. in January. Yeah, we did. It was uh, I mean <laughs> to think that I went into that thinking if we can get twenty to twenty five people, we're gonna be happy, and yeah. over two hundred tuned in. I mean, that's a high bar. <laughs> mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That's amazing. That like really floored me when you when you shared those numbers with us at at the day after the day the day after that. That was amazing. So glad. Yeah, and so you've already kind of been on this podcast as as an extent because I played Rock Bottom as a special episode. So all my listeners should know who you are now. But you know, we got a very particular story during Rock Bottom, but we didn't get the general story. So let's do that, which is the general. How did Cynthia? get to this point all right so uh let's see how did cynthia get to this point cynthia got to this point i got to this point uh as the child of my philippine immigrant parents born and raised in vallejo california very proud of that very 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 proud of being from the bay um but for those of you who know vallejo california it's not very uh you know it's not very well, what shall I call this? Uh, affluent. It's not very resourced. Uh, we were the first city in the U.S., I believe, to go bankrupt. That kind of stuff. Um, and you know, it, it not saying that disparagingly, just saying those as things that have happened. And you know, I feel very proud from being from there because I think much of what I'm working on now is so related to all the things I learned when I was growing up in Vallejo, California. And then I went from there. uh, And from there, I think there was a, you know, my experience from mental with mental health, I think I talked a little bit about in my talk with you guys. Um, It started there, you know, like there were traumatic things that happened there with me. I didn't understand them that way. Um, So when I went to college and I started to understand like, oh, there are words to describe the thing that I've been through, um, that kind of blew my mind and just opened up a whole world for me. And uh, studied sociology at UC Santa Cruz, had a real huge cultural shift because I grew up in a predominantly Filipino community, going into a more diverse, uh, you know, kind of uh, predominantly white, but also diverse, you know, It, it just, it was a huge cultural shift to me. And, um, and I learned a lot. I learned a lot of really great things. And then I learned a lot of uh, things that, you know, 
I, I wish I, I had known before. Uh, from there, went to started to work almost immediately in uh, in domestic violence, mental health, uh, as an intern, starting as an intern, as all of us most most of us start, and really saw that I had a love for working with other people, and really saw that I loved hearing their stories and hearing about their experiences with mental health, with substance use, with domestic violence, with all these things, and just kind of marveled at, at how strong all of them were. And, uh, and so that became my trajectory. I went to get my master's degree at Columbia University in uh, social work and graduated out there in 2012. Um, and along the way, worked with a lot of different types of folks, young kids, adults, older adults, um, some, some affluent, some not, you know, is like really a, a broad range and I'm really grateful for that. Um, and now with my clinical social work degree, you guys heard kind of that middle section of what happened in, in my talk. Um, but it led me here to where I'm now in my private practice and doing a lot of work with my clients. Of course, I love meeting with people one-on-one -on -one. and, uh, I have expanded my work to doing more talk, uh, speaking engagements, writing, um, and I'm currently now developing a modality of, uh, therapeutic healing, um, for, with using the values that I was raised on, brought up on in my childhood. So that's been really cool. Really, really cool to come back to that. Beautifully put. And and I think what's so amazing is, is and we heard this in your your rock bottom story is not only do you have all of this wealth of education experience, which is something that that you know you can get out there, but you have the lived yeah. experience on top of it. I and sure as fellow rock bottom storyteller, uh, speaker Freddie Chagog loves to say, you know, it's great to have your PhD, but it, it means something when you have your PhD in life. Yes. And, and and you've got that and you've got the educational experience, which to me makes you much more approachable, much more appealing as somebody who, who in this world would want to be, I would want to hire, because you're not just talking to me what you read in a book. You're going, yeah. well, this is what it says, but this is what it felt like when I lived it, when I mm -hmm. went through what you're going through. You know, that was a gift that I think because of stigma, because of things that were happening in the world around mental health. Uh, and for those of you who haven't yet tuned into that, it is that I have struggled with depression for most of my life. And the, the thing that happened <clears throat> that I told a story about in uh, at the Rock Bottom Storytellers event was the story about how I just had basically worked myself so hard. And then there was an instance that happened, I was threatened at work and like it just all, all of the things that I had built and accumulated and tried to achieve in my life um, was built on, on top of this structure that wasn't very sound. And so when something happened, when, when a, a devastating event happened, I, being threatened, that structure collapsed. It was like the last thing that, uh, that could kind of hold all of that up and not to discount those things that I've learned. I definitely still hang on to those. I'm definitely still proud of those things. And that was a huge shift in my life 
to then go and tell myself, I really need to build on this foundation some more, you know, and I really, um, I really need to get the strength that I got out of these things and not see it as this thing that's holding me back. It's the thing, it's the very thing that saved my life, in fact. And I think that's so incredible because in the circles that I travel in, and clearly the same ones as, as, as you in that respect, that's a plus. That is a huge, huge bonus. Plus. But in, in some very traditional sort of the, the, the many of the PhD and sort of math, whatever circles, being open about yourself like that is actually a knock against you. And I, I had a someone named Sarah Korenblit on during this first season, and she talked mm-hmm. about how she's faced a lot of stigma for being open about her own mental health and talking mm-hmm. to her clients in that way. And people hit her on that. But I'm going to take this a step further for you, because mm-hmm. not only do you have that going against you for some of these traditional circles, but you're also a person from a a minority community, which is a Mm -hmm. huge, huge barrier in too many of these places. And, and so you're, you're facing these two giant obstacles, right? You come from Mm -hmm. a minority, a woman of color from a a minority Mm -hmm. community, and you're open. You're like, screw these stigmas. I'm going to be open about my own experiences. How have you found that lane to, to make those both a positive and kind of said, mm-hmm. screw those people who are trying to make this a negative for me? Sure. I mean, I, I mentioned I've been struggling with this thing for a long time. I, I've, I've, it, that time, it, this was back in 2019, that was not the first time I had experienced suicidal ideation by a long stretch. And I know that when I started to experience at that time, like I was going down that list of questions. And these are, again, like lists of questions that I did not know to ask myself when I was a teenager. I just had zero context for that. Uh, The idea of mental health was just like not a thing. It's like, you're depressed. Everybody's depressed. Like, you know, forget it. Um, But I do recall the very moment where I started to basically assess myself and start to ask myself the very questions I'd asked hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of people before about like, are you feeling safe? Are you, um, do you have a plan? Do you, are you thinking of dying by suicide? Do you have a plan to, do you, um, do you have means to that? You know, do you, uh, and do you think you can keep yourself safe? You know, all of those questions I've asked so many times. And I can remember the moment of like asking myself, and I talked about this at the event, but I can remember asking myself and the experience of that was that I, one, it was the first time in my life where I couldn't say yes to, yes to all. Like I've I've been able to say yes to all for most of my life. And then at that point, I couldn't say yes to that last one. Can I keep myself safe? And that's when I realized that there was, I mean, like I knew it on an intellectual level, there's no value like uh, lived experience. Like I, I ran a program with peers and I, you know, oftentimes they just had the wisdom that we as clinicians did not possess. And so it, like in that moment, it flipped for me of like, ah, this is something I know because I've been educated in it. And oh my God, all my life, I didn't have somebody who looked like me talking about it. And like, um, that was really challenging. And so that was like, that was a force to be reckoned with. Of course, I needed to go through my healing 
and, and go through all of that before I could really emerge again. And that's that's about the time you and I met. I was doing some more podcasts talking about my story. Um, and you and I hadn't yet done this conversation, but but you had you had invited me to come and speak. And I, I mean, uh, Jay knows I was really, really scared. And I was really, really um, nervous. I had all these thoughts about like, oh my God, my colleagues are gonna, you know, shit on me for this. They're gonna tell me like I'm incompetent. My license is gonna, like all of these things. That's again, that's like just more of it, right? That's just more of mental health bearing down on me. None of that happened after that. Jay, Jay actually told me and foretold for me that none of that, would likely what none of that would happen. And I've actually been able to have enough space since that event to see that, yes, Jay, you're right. None of that happened. In fact, it's become just further validated. Like the moment I could validate for myself that this is a strength, the world responded to me in that way. Um, and, and so it was just, you know, like that's been part of it. And I just, I think part of the work that I'm doing now is being a face to an experience. You know, I just did a video yesterday of me feeling freaked out over what's been going on in the news. And I was out walking my dog. I was about to not because I was terrified. I wasn't sure. Uh, as many folks probably know, many of the victims have been Filipino. And like, I wasn't sure. I didn't know what was going to happen. And my fear center, my anxiety, my uh, doubtful depression was like, I'm going to be unsafe out here. Um, the trauma of it, all of that was present for me. And, um, and I started walking on my walk and I just started thinking like, God, I can't, I I'm probably not alone in this. So I just, I, I was... I didn't just, it took me a moment to like hop on a live, but I just, um, you know, talked myself into that and then hosted a live of me just walking my dog and sharing with folks like this, this is the shit that's going on in my head. I am afraid that somebody is like lurking behind the corner gonna attack me. And then I flipped the camera to show everybody this like beautiful walkway that I was on. And it was like, you know, my thoughts are really terrorizing me and not for nothing. There was definitely things happening in the world that have put them there, but right now they're thoughts. And to, to know that I'm safe in the moment is like invaluable. So I obviously cannot know what it's like to be an Asian woman trying to, to do this work. But what I did recognize in you and, and when we first connected and I immediately invited you to, to speak was someone who was in a very similar spot that I was in in 2015 when I was like, there's a story I can tell that can make a, a big difference here. And mm -hmm. I'm terrified. And I like saw that. And I was like, all right, I'm going to do for her what this dude did for me back in 2015 and be like, I know you can do this. Yeah. I'm going to give you the platform and it's going to be great. So I'm really yeah. excited to hear that you have also felt that now since. Yeah. It's I'm so grateful. <laughs> You're welcome. And I, I'm grateful that you did it because you were fantastic. Um, it, it's unfortunate that, that or fortunate is not even a strong enough word. It is, it's soul crushing that here you are 
at, with this opportunity. And, and again, I can think back to where I was right after speaking for the first time, telling my story for the first time on a public platform like that mm-hmm. and how my world opened up. Right. And yet for you, you're having that experience that is then being clamped shut or rained on mm-hmm. or diminished it, in a yeah. very strong way because of hatred just based on the way you look, right? And mm-hmm. there's something so awful about that, that here you are for the for the person you are being given an opportunity to make a serious change and really improve mm-hmm. people's lives and have an impact on the topics of mental health and, mm-hmm. and stigma and all this, which is so incredibly wonderful. But because mm-hmm. of this body that you were born into and people's hate for it, that's being closed, right? Mm-hmm. There is something mm-hmm. so soul crushing about those two things happening at the same time. Yeah, yeah. I, I think I think part of that was almost like just as much as your invitation was a gift, right? To me, that was a huge gift. I appreciating you. I, I appreciate you uh, sharing it with me because it was something that somebody shared with you. And how what a beautiful way to like pay it forward. Like, oh my God. I I also don't say like the events are gifts. Those are tragedies. Those are a hundred percent tragedies. And I am grateful to myself for taking the gift that you offered me. And I'm grateful to myself for reclaiming my safety. You know, like that has been like, talk about an ultimate test to be like shut down and shut up. Like, you know, like that, I mean, like for a moment there, I didn't need to collect myself. I didn't respond to any of it for at least a day or two because I was just like, holy crap, what just happened? And my efforts in that is, of course, like, like I think before any of these changes have occurred, I think before I would have been like, oh, I should have said something. I should have done something. I should have, you know, been on there acting, doing the shit, blah, blah, blah. The that time was so significantly different for me of like first like these these intersections of my identity. I am a Columbia grad. I am a young woman who grew up in Vallejo, California, and like had a good family, like a good like upbringing is decent, not without its traumas, but it was decent. It was good enough, good enough to get me there. And, you know, like here I am with this platform and in the world, there's this message that if just me being out in the world is an issue, let alone talking like that, that, that was a test. And I, I I do think um, uh, that was a test to my courage, a test to my bravery and um, having had, having gotten to have you know, with your gift, with my taking the gift, you know, like getting to have that gift of like, I said my story and it was well received and it wasn't, you know, having, getting to have, I'm very, very privileged to have that experience. That's such a privilege. And like, you know, it just kind of brought me back to, I've never seen anybody who looked like me have that privilege. And so I took, you know, it, it freaked me out to like get on alive, but like, I just remembered like, this is for me, yes. And it's for people who look like me. 
to see that, yes, you can feel afraid. Yes, you can feel traumatized by this whole thing. I mean, how could you not? How could, how could anybody walk out of anything in this last year and not have a little, at least a little bit of that? You know, you can feel all of that and still live fully and still do all the things that you want to do. Um, I feel like that was the greatest gift I got, you know, there in, in that conversation, in that event. So sort of going off of that, I'm very cognizant of not mm -hmm. being the mm -hmm. white guy. Like, tell me how all these, how white guys like me can support Asian women. Like, like I'm not going to be that guy. But what sure. I do want to ask is mm -hmm. the mental health space is mm -hmm. a old, it's, let's call it what it is. It's an old white men's boy club, right? I mean, it, yeah, you know, the certainly. people who get invited is, to speak. In a lot of ways, it, unfortunately. Yes, are all, you know, I, I went on this railing last summer when one of the biggest mental health organizations, their speaker series was four old, well-educated, rich white men, one mm -hmm. well-educated, rich white woman, and one black dude. And like, that was their speaking lineup. And I was like, yeah. guys, come on, it's 2020. We can't do this shit anymore. Yeah. So yeah. my listeners know that I have a rule whenever I'm invited to speak. I ask about the lineup. And if it's that, I say, I, I'm sorry. I really would prefer you give my spot to someone who doesn't have an opportunity. It seems like your, your you know, rich white guy card is full at the moment. Let's get somebody else up there. So uh, my question then is, as someone who works in this space and is none of those qualifications, yeah. how can we better support not ending that? How can we make this no longer a rich white, male educated well-educated uh boys club going forward mm -hmm. i think that there's a lot of intentionality i, I think around what you what folks surround themselves with i mean like i know the the experience that i had into my awakening of how much uh silence i was engaging in around black lives matter when that happened, man, that was a rude awakening. It was painful. And so, you know, that took me owning up to my buy-in to a white supremacist world. And, and I did like I, a lot of my, um, it, down to the way I speak, I didn't always speak like this. I showed up to college. I spoke like, you know, my sisters and brothers in the Bay. I, I had our like, kind of swallowed S prominent speech. And it only took one person, one, one fairer skinned, I don't even think that they were a white person, one fairer skinned person to go up to me and say, why do you talk like that? You know, it's like, uh, there, there's little moments like that. Um, that person didn't, you know, I, I don't know what their intention was. Uh, but that moment did change me, did change how I, how I chose and opted to move my voice into this, train my voice into this more uh, white passing sound. And, and it, it does like, you know, I've had clients be like, you know, you sound like a white lady on the phone. Like when you, when you called me, I wasn't sure what I was going to get. And um, <laughs> I'm surprised at what you look like. So I was like, you know, sometimes I, I didn't, I don't know that I took it any particular way, but I certainly didn't take it badly. 
some a little part of me did I guess but like I didn't didn't really occur for me like that but it was an indication to me of like how much I've bought into so there were like things like that and I also looked up around me and as I had grown up with a lot of faces who looked like mine when I looked up at that point I saw no faces that looked like mine and I saw um you know most of the faces <clears throat> around me were white or black. And I was like, where are my people? Where are my people at? How come, you know, and that is that moment of like recognizing who we're around, I think is important. I think that's one of the things we can do of like, just, just get involved in stuff. Like just, just join conversations, listen listening conversations that you're just generally not a part of generally and just like you don't have to participate you don't have to like say anything it's just like getting to know people and then like I, I think some of those you know for those of those folks who are maybe more introverted I tend to be on the more introverted side as well it's like there's lots of people talking there's lots of people doing talks on YouTube lots of people talking about their experiences in books, you know, it's like, like read up, edu you know, it's like on us to educate ourselves and uh, don't know where to start. There's Google, you know, it's like, how do, how do I read about white supremacy? How do I read about the black experience, the Asian experience, you know, and, and those are like broad categories, of course, but like, you know, a famous Asian writers, Asian American writers, Asian interna international writers, that kind of stuff. And you'll populate with stuff. I promise. Like it's just, the World Wide Web is real awesome. Um, and, and I and I get that question of like not knowing where to start. So I, you know, I say that with no um, no malice, no no judgment, because I I have not always been myself aware of the things that I am now and there are still plenty of things I'm not aware of so I, I say that with zero judgment zero malice and I just want to make it really clear that it can be simple it doesn't have to be complicated it can be really simple and and on your level of how it goes yeah I think that's super important to, to stress which is you know educate yourself you can't wait for other people to do it for you but then also mm -hmm. be open to learning from other people right yes don't, don't mm -hmm. turn to other people and be like this is my only my end-all be-all yeah. I need you to teach me but also then if what someone is saying doesn't jive with their own experience be like hey maybe I don't know I don't know best I don't know everything yeah. right oh my god that is my favorite phrase I was in a, um, I was in a all Filipino room the other night on Clubhouse. Are you on Clubhouse yet? Jay? I am. I am one of those amazing Android users. Okay. So I'm not on Clubhouse. You're, you're fortunate in 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 a lot of ways for that because Clubhouse is a beast. <laughs> but <laughs> but I was in a room with a, a bunch of other Filipinas and we were talking about our favorite phrases in Tagalog or Filipino, and um, my favorite phrase is Hindi uh, alam or Iwanko, which is, I think, Ilocano. But both of those mean, I don't know. <laughs> and I was like, oh, that's accurate. That really, really is accurate. That is my favorite phrase.
I love it. Well, before we get into your work on Clubhouse and all that other yeah, stuff, yeah. let's pause and shout out where people can follow you on Clubhouse, online, anywhere you want. Okay, so folks can find me on Instagram at I am living or no, just kidding, at living fully IG. Uh, my website is www.iamlivingfully.com uh, on Clubhouse. It's just my name, Cynthia Ciadat, and that's C-Y-N-T-H-I-A-S-I-A-D-A-T uh, and pronounced like Ciadat, Ciadat on a page. Um, so uh, let me think, is there anywhere else you could find me? Uh, on Medium, well, you know, some of my writing, my pieces are, that I write are on there. And I've recently uh, been signed on and joined uh, a publication called Chopsticks Alley. So I'm a writer and contributor for them as well. Congratulations. Thank you. Y'all know I love to read. And almost every episode of this podcast includes a recommendation to check out an awesome book. From Adid Jaffe's Abstinence Myth to Johan Hari's Chasing the Scream, I'm constantly looking for new books to learn from and enjoy. That's why I'm super excited to partner with Bookshop. Bookshop is a wonderful website that helps you find all your favorite books and support your local neighborhood bookstore in the process. I've bought everything from textbooks to Star Wars novels on Bookshop, and I've supported my local store with each transaction. Best of all, my Bookshop link will allow you to see all the books I've mentioned on the show right in one spot. So check out Bookshop today using the link in my show notes or go to bookshop.org slash shop slash C-Y-S and you'll find all the awesome books you want and support the podcast in the process. Check it out today. Subscribe to my Patreon for behind-the-scenes looks at the podcast, sneak peeks, and bonus data. You'll also get a discount on Choose Your Struggle merch. Find it at patreon.com slash choose your struggle. So that's how I found you was Medium, was I read something by you and I oh. uh, reached out. I'm pretty sure that's how I, I found you, or at least... I or I heard about you and then read it. I don't remember, but reading your stuff very early on was a part of my discovering of your work. So uh, I definitely co-sign. Everybody should go check out your writing. But talk a little bit more. Now we're into the, the segment of the podcast. Talk a little bit more about what your look your work looks like. So you know sure. you you are doing some incredible work on 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 Clubhouse. I see that uh, you put that on your Instagram as well. Uh, and a lot of the work you're doing is around ending stigma and talking about these things openly mm -hmm. in social mm -hmm. media. But so talk about that full spectrum of your work. Sure, sure. So you know I you know I mentioned I got, I've gotten the a pretty well rounded training in Western psychology. And I, I will say that there is a lot of good in it. There's a terrific amount of good in it. And there have always been things about it that kind of rubbed me the wrong way. Uh, just because it like went against what I knew about being a human in the world. Um, and so, so one of those things, of course, is like there, there's this talk, there, there's a lot of value being placed about, around boundaries. And like, I believe boundaries are important. We need them to like stay, you know, healthy and safe. And I think that the vast majority of stuff I had learned about boundaries through Western psychology was that they were kind of hard and fast. They, they were inflexible, you know, and, and so one of the things that I had learned personally, I know other people learn it elsewhere, but I learned personally in my life 
in my own upbringing that boundaries are flexible is like I could know where I'm done and you begin and I'm still going to have your back and I'm going to be here and I'm going to show up even if I'm a little inconvenienced you know it's like there there was like some flex there and and granted even some like backward bending you know it's like there was also that so like there's a balance between the two I do see um and so when I'm with in my work with my individual clients um I've been I'm pretty sure I'm coining this phrase <laughs> but I'm not certain so if I'm not please contact me tell me that um uh but I I've I've talked about disclosure, self-disclosure, and the the learning I had had and that many clinicians get is that you do zero self-disclosure in a mental health session, in a clinical session. Um, that always rubbed me the wrong way, because what if I had a part of my story, and this is like part of my Filipino upbringing, storytelling is like part of how we learn. So like, I was like, well, what if I have a story that's similar, I mean, like different in experience, because we're just different people, but like, kind of like the folklore of it, the, the takeaway is something similar. Like, what if I have that? Do I, can I share that? The vast majority of responses I had gotten in my training was no, you cannot. Um, I of course have gone over when, you know, past that many a time. Um, and I've been calling it purposeful self-disclosure. It's like not just self-disclosure for self-disclosure's sake, but self-disclosure with a purpose to help and serve. And shoot, like I, I definitely have done it and had it not like like land or be relevant, feel revel, relevant, or I had to like really draw the line. Um, but I've I've taken to asking lately how how my clients receive this. How do they respond when their therapist is saying, like, ah, I get that. Yeah, I really, I really get that because that you know, I liken it to this experience that I've had. Does that feel like this, like similar to you, you know, and, and the feedback, the vast majority of feedback I get is like, yeah, no, it like, not only are you validating my experience, you're telling me I'm not alone. And I'm like, fuck, yeah, yes, thank you. Good. I, that's what I want. Good. If at any point, it feels like I'm pulling focus from you, please tell me please let me know because that's not what I'm trying to do. You know, and, and being real explicit, real clear about those things, because I think, um, I think that really matters. I still agree with, you know, we don't want to make a session about ourselves. But that's, that's kind of what work in my individual practice, my individual private practice has looked like. Before we talk about some of your other, I want to say how incredible I think that is. Uh, as someone, obviously, who, who has gone to therapy, um, I think having that, I love that purposeful self-disclosure. I think that would make, I've never had a therapist do that. And I would say that I think it would make for a better relationship with my mm -hmm. therapist. You know, yeah. I think back and I've talked about this on this podcast, but I had a therapist last year where I wanted to work on some trauma stuff. And mm -hmm. two sessions into that, we had been working on general stuff and we transitioned to this. It mm -hmm. wasn't going well. And I finally mm -hmm. said, you know, it seems like we're not making a lot of progress. Is this not a thing you're really familiar with? And he's like, man, I'm glad you said that. I agree. I've never lived through trauma and I don't have trauma training. And so I was like, well, 
why wouldn't you tell me that? Like, I, yeah. I think that there's so like, much. Please tell me that. Yeah, like, <laughs> there's so much, um, like, like sandbox guarding that, that yeah. people feel like if I'm open, they may leave and I may lose that. And it's like, maybe, but, maybe. but I may, I'm, may come back. Whereas if we're not making progress, I'm going to leave and never come back. Right. Totally. So I think having that better relationship with, with the person mm-hmm. who is upfront and honest, not just about what they're good at, but about their own experiences mm-hmm. would mm-hmm. make for such a better relationship. And, and mm-hmm. that doesn't surprise me to hear that you do that from knowing you in your other work of, of mm-hmm. being a speaker, a writer, you know, clubhouse mm-hmm. and all that. Like, I would be shocked <laughs> knowing your work there if then you went into your office and you were and I was like, a button down therapist. Like, all right, yeah. so I have my pad and now tell me about everything. You know, like that yeah. would be so weird to me if that's who yeah. you were. <laughs> and like, you know, when I'm talking to a client for the first time, like I tell them then I'm like, you know, I know that there are certain ways of doing therapy that are not the way that I do therapy. You know, like I know, and not better, not worse, but like the way that I do therapy can be quite informal. It can, it's very like, like many therapists, quite conversational. And if I hear a story that you're telling me that I like relate to, I want you to know that because I want you to know not only that, it's valid to feel how you feel, but like, you know, you're not alone in it. And I think, you know, I can pretty safely say that I've always done that to, to varying degrees. Like not every client knows all my experiences. They only know the experiences that I might share with them really. Um, but, you know, the, I, I know that it's only been more recently that I have felt confident in doing that. I I think the stigma that I had with me prior to my hospitalization, prior to any of that with me was still very stigmatized, you know? And And I feel for my fellow therapists, like I did that talk, I did the talk at your event. One of my therapist friends reached out to me and was like, oh my God, thank you. Thank you for doing that. I don't feel like I can say that as a therapist. And I'm like, if we cannot say that as a therapist, what right do we have in telling people to reach out to other people, get connected, share about their shit, and then get support? Like, what kind of message are we sending? And and not to, I don't mean to reprimand them, but just as like a reprimand of the system that we've been taught. It's like, that's not, that's, that's, that's not, I think, what any of us came into it to do. So that's um, beautiful. Yeah. That's such a great transition then into, you know, you are in the extreme minority of people who are trained therapists, but are so open as you are on social media, on club, on all this stuff. And in, in your writing, again, that's one of the first things I saw of yours. So mm-hmm. what, what made you go, I'm going to at least dip my toe in this water and then eventually say, screw it and dive in head first? Uh, what made me, I was tired of being quiet. I was tired of suffering by myself. I was tired of it being about me in my suffering. Like I, I, and like still to a degree, like I certainly still have my writing, my speaking, my posting, you know, I'll be very clear. Part of that is for me. Like, I want that to be for me. I want that for me also. And I know that 
had I been a listener to somebody else doing the same, and I've been many a time, just not for folks who look like me, like I, I would have just felt so much better. I would have felt not alone. I would have felt, you know, I definitely felt understood by someone, you know, someone understood me. I mean, up until I talked about my mental health, the only other person, only other woman who I knew who had spoken about their mental health, there, there were like two people I knew, aside from like uh, celebrities, <laughs> some uh, one person and two, two clinicians, I guess I should be more specific, two clinicians. One of them was very, um, was described to me, I had only learned of him afterwards, was described to me as very um, uh, problematic and very uh, political, like very like, he, he, there's a lot of contention around him. And then the other was this woman named Marsha Linehan for, for folks who are familiar with DBT, founder of DBT, she herself suffered and she, she herself also shared her story. I was so um, grateful to hear her story and I, I haven't heard her whole story, right? Like I only heard that she had told her story of having suffered. That was enough. And, and I just, you know, I think when I, when I was considering doing your event, I was considering that and I was like, really the only person I know who somewhat matches the experience and, and point of view I'm coming from was a, an older white woman who is now famous in the, mental health world and you know just like far far for me to touch like I cannot I've not been anywhere close to her you know and and I was like I I think there I really think there should be more so yeah well that I think underscores what I already thought which you are is that you're a true trendsetter in in what you're doing and uh you know I love following you online and um, it's a shame I don't have Clubhouse, so I can't drop in and see all the <laughs> awesome work you're doing there. But Thanks. one last time before we get to the final questions, shout out yeah. where people can follow all your incredible trend setting work online. Yes, please. Uh, so on Instagram, you can find me at livingfullyig. Uh, my website, you can reach me through the contact page there or check out any of my speaking things, podcasts, your event um, at www at oh, www at www.iamlivingfully.com. And uh, if you're on Clubhouse, I host this uh, conversation on Friday evenings, actually later tonight um, at 6.30 p.m. to 8.30 p.m. It's just a room where folks can come after their week of work and slow down and just acknowledge what's so. We don't change, fix, or do anything about each other's stories. We just witness and we just try to learn something for ourselves. And it's a very safe place, very safe space, very, um, uh, you know, it's very calming at the end of the week, like like the weeks we've, we've been having. So, so yeah, that's where you can find me. Oh, on, and on Medium, I forgot. Medium, very important, which I will <laughs> uh, definitely link with all the, you know, with other things in the show notes. But we always finish with the same two questions. Number one, not just during COVID, but especially this last year, what are your self-care habits? What works for you? Ah, uh, my self-care habits are 
um, like trying to put my phone away after the end of my day or put my screens away at the end of my day and start like engaging with the people I live with. Um, that's a huge thing, calling my family. Um, I try, though not perfectly, to walk after the end of my workday with my dog. Um, and I play music. I love that. I love crafts. I uh, recently picked up sculpting, which oh. uh, is cool. new. You saw that at some point I was like, oh, I want to do juggling. Yeah, that was <laughs> something that you and I both picked up. Is that, are you not doing that anymore? No, I totally am. I'm trying to learn uh, contact juggling. Okay. So that's, that's, that's been pretty fun. Yeah, so that's something that you and I did weirdly yeah. separately. And then we that's both posted fun. it on Instagram like the I same time. That. Yeah. I love that. Uh, it's That's a fun one. I, I will say that, you know, I've been doing this for over a year now, and that is the first time that juggling and sculpting have been said as self-care <laughs> habits. So the, almost everything has been said now. And so that's why when I get new things, I'm like, that's awesome. Those those are things I, that have not been and said. And y'all, yet. I'm like a total noob at all of those things. <laughs> like I just, I just re really, when I'm into something and I like it, I'm like, mm. <laughs> <laughs> I'm the same so, way. Yeah. So yeah. you've done this a little bit already, but uh, we've spent the last almost an hour now learning about how awesome you are and why we should all be following you. Mm. But tell us about people you follow, whether it's people you read, you're reading, uh, listening mm. to, watching, mm -hmm. all that kind of stuff. Yeah. Um, lately, I have really been loving watching uh, on Instagram Asians, Asians for Mental Health. Um, there are a couple of Filipino authors I've been like getting connected to and getting really excited about uh kevin nadal and ej da david um what else who else uh there is uh my friend uh andrea uh andrea Jack i don't know how to say her last name but it's wellness with andrea on instagram uh reading wise let's see what's my most recent stuff um srini pillay he wrote is Dr. Srini Pillay. He wrote a book about how important it is for us to have unfocused time as well as focused time and how focused time actually is dependent on unfocused time. So that's, those are some of the things. But yeah. Those sound awesome. Um, well, this was fantastic. It's always great chatting with you, Cynthia. And, you know, I'm going to have to get you for the third piece that I do called A Day in the Life, which is just one-on-one -on -one storytelling. And you'll be the first one to complete the set, the all three. Uh, it's either going to be you or Alex Kaplan, whichever one can do it first. So oh, my gosh. You, you, two, are, you two are on, on pace to be the first. So. Uh, thank oh, you for all all your work and and you know thank it you. says something that I keep coming back to this well because you're doing a lot of amazing work and I am very mm -hmm. excited to watch you grow and be a small piece of that. Thank you. Thank you so much. I am so excited to tell you about my new CBD sponsor, Roadrunner. Y'all know I love my old CBD sponsor, and I switched for one main reason. This stuff works. I've been a runner my whole life, but unfortunately, I'm also super easily injured. One of my high school friends used to call me Mr. Glass. And back in 2015, when I ran my first half marathon, I got hurt, like really hurt. And since then, I haven't been able to run more than three or four miles without serious pain. That is until I tried Roadrunner CBD's Muscle Gel. In a few short months, I'm regularly running five and a half to six miles each outing, and I'm currently training for my next half marathon. 
I don't want to call it a miracle cure, but it's damn near close. So check it out at my personal Roadrunner link, which is roadrunnercbd.com slash ref slash CYS. Again, that's roadrunnercbd.com slash ref slash CYS or at the link in my show notes or on my podcast website and use the code CYS at checkout to get 10% off on all of their awesome products. Check it out today. Find me on social media. Check the link in the show notes or search for me, Jay Schiffman, on YouTube and LinkedIn, and choose your struggle on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. All right, we've come to the end of another episode of the Choose Your Struggle podcast. Thank you so much for tuning in. It's wonderful to be in my new space, ready to record and keep putting out awesome shows like this one. How great was Cynthia? How great was Cynthia? I, I just, I'm so, I feel so lucky to have met her. You know, I reached out, I heard about some of her work, and I read some of her writing, and it just, it's just so incredible. So please read her work. It's linked in the show notes. Check her out. If you're on Clubhouse, go find her. Follow her on Instagram. Check out Rock Bottom Storytellers if you didn't hear her story. She was fantastic. So we have a new card pack today. That's right. You know, nothing against Blurt. I still love their cards. You'll still hear them here a lot. But we were running out of some cards we'd used a lot. And so I wanted to bring in some new cards. So this new pack is called Train Your Brain. It was made by Dr. Jennifer Sweeten, and it's aimed at 100 techniques to heal trauma and build resiliency. So we're going to choose a new card today. There are the cards. This one is a recommendation for feeling calmer. And it is create a safe space. That's a great, great tip. Creating a sense of calm in the amygdala by introducing feelings of safety and gratitude with this exercise. Number one, identify a safe space. If possible, choose a real place you've been to. Close your eyes and mentally access this place. Step two, once you're in your safe space, connect with what you see, feel, smell, and hear around you. Imagine you were there. Step three, assign a word that describes this place, one that activates thoughts of this place when you say it or think it and repeat that word silently to yourself for a few minutes. Revisit this word to feel calmer in the future. That's a great tip. I will have to try that. I've never done anything like that. I think that's a really interesting exercise. And, and you know, it comes down to mindfulness. It comes down to being present and being aware of yourself, how you're feeling, and saying, all right, I need to take a moment to focus on myself, focus inward, and try to put myself in a better headspace. So really a great card. I'm excited. I got three new card packs. You're going to be hearing a lot of new cards in the, in the next couple of weeks. Your good egg for today is building off of something I talked about in the intro, and that is be that person, be that guy. When you hear someone, whether it's your, your grandfather, your elderly mother, your friend, saying something morally objectable, correct them. Say, you know, I think it's possible you're not thinking of this in the right way, or have you considered, or whatever the case is. You know, even if what they say really upsets you, you can be like, hey, you know, that upsets me, and let me help you understand why. Because if that person loves you enough as a, as a friend or a, a loved one, and they don't want to listen, I think that says something about your relationship. And it says something like, oh, okay, maybe this person maybe we don't have to be that close if, if this is something that really matters to you. And, and 
I would hope that, you know, human human rights <laughs> and and the fact that we live in this white uh, supremacy system, I would hope that's important to you. And if it's not important to them, then maybe that says something about where your relationship will go in the future. But be that person. But most importantly, as always, be vulnerable, show your empathy, spread your love, and choose your struggle.